0: Is investment something that's always been on your mind, but you don't quite know how to get started on that journey?
1: We are here to set you on the right course. We are all about getting out of the rat race through creating positive passive income. Here you'll hear from regular people just like you and the professionals who support us towards greater wealth.
0: Learn before you earn, move from analysis to action, and find the right path to attaining the success that you've always dreamed of for yourself. Now, here's your host, Athena. When you fast forward. Sorry about that. I just realized I had it on pause, which is a super bummer, but that's okay. Okay. So, Here we anyway, go. was anybody listening or not? But. Yeah, okay. people are listening. It's just the recording. I mean, the recording oh, for later. Okay. It's okay. So, well, I mean, can. the
1: funny part about this, you know, going through all my life's experiences. And two years ago, I was invited to go to a fashion show. And there's, um, I was invited because Pat Boone was going to be there with his book. So the funny thing is, after all these many years of my own life experience, did I ever think in my life that I would be actually meeting this man who changed my life and so he, I went up to him and told him the whole story. I've got a nice picture of myself with Pat Boone mm-hmm. with his red jacket and white pants. But uh, <laughs> wow, so, you know, this is something about you know how instances and networking can change your life. And this mm-hmm. is one of my you know prime examples. And I talk to students all the time about you know being open to being networked and getting out of your own environment, meeting other people, and but as you know, Athena, you know, it's not about your own s- circle. You've mm-hmm. got to get out of that circle to meet other mm-hmm. people, to open up other doors. And that's how I've been very fortunate to move from from Manchester to um, Germany and then, of course, to California.
0: Mm-hmm. So where have you lived in the world? So I heard Germany and Manchester and then here. Manchester. Where else have you lived?
1: Manchester, Bristol, London, Munich, California, Seattle and then back to Germany and then came back here. We we took the kids back to Germany when they were like 5 or 6. I wanted we wanted them to have some kind of an education in Europe to get an idea of, you know, it's so different. It's very very different. So we went back there for 2 years. So both kids speak some German if they can remember it
0: remember it right yeah that's the tough part wow so that's amazing so so you said it's practically in your blood so do you believe that like some some people i mean some people take them the math that their parents are so brilliant at math and they just have this innate almost innate i'll say uh ability so do you feel like that's that it's that it's this spark in you that just you were drawn to this or what do you think brought you to that business? I think um, my brother's a graphic designer. And Mm -hmm. so, you
1: know, he, he and I, he's dyslexic as well. So I think we're both creative. My sister's the brains. She was the brilliant one, you know, who eventually when she graduated, never went anywhere with it, you know, so you you just don't know. I mean, my brother Mm -hmm. went on to be incredibly successful and, you know, very wealthy from what he did and, Mm -hmm your path you know you never can judge people never judge kids let them be what they want to be allow them to move forward and expand but always keeping you know different opportunities open for them and that's I think I've just been very lucky and I've had even when I graduated from college um, I've been interning, and they offered me a full-time job but the other part was I'd got a full-time I got a full-time scholarship to St. Martin's but my parents didn't want me to go to London because I was going out with somebody they didn't like and Mm -hmm. if I'd gone down to London it would have been over in six months but this guy came up we got married and it was not successful so you know it's just just fate a lot Mm -hmm. of it's fate Mm -hmm. just been very 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 fortunate and meeting people and opening up doors and still today like I was saying I was downtown interviewing people about their project, like you're interviewing me, I was interviewing mm. them about their journey. This mm. one woman who's from Colorado, she's come up with this idea. She's a cross country runner, but she's, she, I mean, it sounds weird, but she leaks a little. So she's mm-hmm. invented this, this clothing with a shield inside that's washable. It's not, you know, you don't have to throw it away. Mm. And I helped her through this and it's been launched and she's doing really well. It's called Prickly Pear. So oh. she's in Colorado and she's producing it here in a factory. Uh-huh. So I was downtown interviewing her from for my YouTube,
0: doing mm-hmm.
1: the, identifying um, what goes into identifying good clothing, not mm-hmm. teaching pattern making or anything, but just understanding good clothing.
0: I can't wait to watch that episode because I think as investors, we – you know, if you're going to venture beyond what you're used to investing in, for me, that's real estate and notes and commercial buildings and such. But um, so I know how numbers work in that industry and the timeline of fixing and flipping and, and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to things that are outside of my my industry, we'll call it then then I don't know. So, I don't even know what the question's at. I don't know what I don't know, right? So, I think it's if you're going to entertain investing in, in a field that you're not familiar with, that's not your profession and it's not what you've done in the past, then I think information like your YouTube channel helps you at least know what questions and know how it works and then you entertain investing in the shoe or the <laughs> the dress or whatever, right? So, and there are brilliant ideas that become brilliant businesses right but there's a, a huge like amount that don't you know the thing with the clothing
1: industry is you have to come up with an idea that's not already out there mm-hmm. and then you have to make sure there is that you because as you know as an investor you're investing in a person mm-hmm. it's no good having the best idea if you're not a good business person and you're not going to put that time you and can't execute in it yeah so what investors and we've done these we call it the lion's den investment where they come and pitch but i won't let people pitch until they've proven that they have a marketable product mm-hmm. so i mean i actually do a lot of expert witness and i see people who are just copying people you mm-hmm. can't do that
0: that's just mm-hmm. not right doesn't but matter. as an investor if you don't know that you're basically throwing your money away no matter how slick. And the problem is, is the slick brochure, the slick talker is the one that gets you to separate you you and your money go separate ways at that point. Right. So, so do you remember what your first invention was, what your first, whether it was a drawing or a product, what was your first creation um, that made you feel like, yeah, this is it. And did you need to finance it?
1: Well, you know, after being in the industry for for a number of years, and uh, when I first came here, um, I was. You've heard of Karen Kane, probably as a mm-hmm. label. Uh, Lonnie Kane, he he knew somebody I knew, so I was introduced to him when I came here. Talk about networking, and he wanted me to design some a denim line. So I designed and made, and I was sitting there making the patterns and sitting there sewing them. And then we did a big competition. Um, and um, it's called the battle of the denims and we won it and so I kind of got launched in the California through designing and making these these denim outfits that Lonnie Kane marketed and then you know just through progress he went on to another company he had a partner who I'm not sure we should be saying this but anyway Mm -hmm. you know he had a bad partner it didn't work out Mm. And so he went on somewhere else and he asked me to go and design there. I met Karen who just graduated from FIDM and she said they need teachers. So I got teaching a job at at FIDM because I was pregnant at the time. I didn't want to work full time. But eventually I started my own line. It was called TOGS Togs? and it was a children's line. And I've got pictures of my daughter in them when she was little with her other friends and uh, I had a showroom downtown. And I mean this is this is you know part of this is the bad part of the industry. So I had a showroom, had a sales rep, she said, Hey, we need duplicates for New York. It's selling well. So I ran around getting the duplicates made, shipped them off to New York. I didn't hear anything. And I had a friend in, in New York and I said, Kathy, can you go and check out my my products in the showroom? And she called me up at the end of the day she said well the good news is your products was hand, hanging foot in the in the window prominently but not with your label in so oh my god they would cut my label out i was a new a new company uh-huh. and they put in somebody else because they'd been working with this company and they knew that they could provide you know do the production so, you know, honestly, no, they I mean, stole your design. They stole your, they stole creation. my whole product line. Mm. What do you do? Okay. Do you go and sue the asses? Of course I could, but my daughter who was seven at the time came down with juvenile diabetes. So, oh. you know, it was like, okay, let this go. You just, yeah. sometimes wow. you have to let things go. So I let it go and had to really concentrate on taking care of my daughter. And then just talk about karma, do you believe in karma? <laughs> mm-hmm. But 10 years whatever, after that. What goes around, comes around, whatever you wanna call it, yeah. yeah. I was reading in this, uh, one of the uh, trade, ma- trade papers, Apparel News, about this woman who's in Harrods, this woman is walking in Harrods. Now, okay, I'm English, right, so I know Harrods. Mm-hmm. She's walking in Harrods and she's got leggings on and she's got her Louis Vuitton bag and very stressed up and but she was quite overweight and the skin was showing through the leggings. So she one of the guards came up to her and said, I'm sorry, madam, you're not dressed appropriately. We're asking you to leave. Well, you know, she, I'm reading this and she gets Gloria red and sued, tries to sue Harris. Well, that doesn't work in England. Right. right. It's just so funny to have read this story. And go, oh, my God, I could not have written this script. It was wonderful.
0: Well, it's not the same lady, is it? Yes. Oh, wow. And the fact that you saw it, like you might not have, you know, you might not have ever have heard of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Now I'm, I'm released. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So I guess for, for many people, we wonder how, how do you come to design for, uh, you know, the Royal family of Brunei or Priscilla Presley, who's a very famous lady for those who don't know Elvis Presley's widow, right. Ex-wife widow, whatever. (laughs) So, um, and that was on home shopping, which a lot of people would love to get on the home shopping thing. Right. So how do you, how do you come to be a designer of these kind of high, high level people will call them?
1: Well,
0: I I was, when I was, at
1: teaching at Otis College of Art and Design. Um, The head of the department there, Rosemary, kind of, sort of took me under her wing again. And she, she, there's somebody came and said, we need Priscilla Presley needs a line of clothing design for home shopping. So we're recommending you for this job. So off I went to meet um, Priscilla, she was lovely. And so we knew for home shopping, you're dealing with middle America, it's not it's not the coast. So we had to think about, of course, she's tiny, a little thing. So we designed this whole line, which was silk, but it was bias cut. And so it looks good on most most body types. And so she modeled it and we sold two two lines. I mean, I, I'm Priscilla, I don't even know why she needs to do anything like that anyway. She's a multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we did two lines for her and they were very successful, which was fantastic. And then I was recommended to do a line for the Sultan of Brunei um, for their active sports where they'd been working with Nike and Nike, they want big production. And then mm-hmm. for someone like the Sultan's small, you know, athletic groups. So I went out there and that was, that was really mind boggling to see this palace and ficus trees with you know with a diamond on every leaf and when you walk in there are guards everywhere and walk into the uh they usher you into a big waiting room beautiful opulent waiting room and uh i was standing there and this guy comes over and he said so you're english right so i said yeah he said oh he said he said the americans come in here and they think you just you know come in and got an appointment and you're going to get the job you're going to be here just sit down we get the job you wait (laughs) so and it turned out this was a drummer for Elton John right so he's giving a cocktail because apparently one of the prince's sons wanted to learn drumming so
0: I was like, "What is he doing? They're also <laughs> applying for the fashion design job." Oh no, no <laughs> so, was so he's just hanging out there, waiting to teach the lesson. Yeah, exactly. Wow, so that was that was
1: pretty amazing. And I kept, you know, kept going in this waiting room. We never got to meet the people. And in the end, I said, "Hey, I've got to start a class next week in Otis." They said they will not let you go. The only way they can let you go is by saying. You've got problems at home, so I had to lie, which is it's sort of painful to say Yeah. my children are sick, but um, got out of that one. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing experience.
0: So, did you end up designing these clothes for them, right? Yeah, we did some. Yeah, for the and how many uh, lines? How many? So, and it was only sportswear, is that right? It was only yeah for their for their sports teams. Yeah, for, right, because I guess the royal family owns the teams, right? They oh, own yeah, sports yeah, teams, yeah, right? Absolutely. Right. We went, to so they them. wanted to design, because you do watch some of these uh, programs where you know, and you see that the the uh, sports teams are wearing almost like designer like Ralph Lauren or whatever, you know, they're very fancy sports outfits, you know There's, money was no object, <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, okay, and I'm just checking to see if we have any questions. I'm being told I should have wine. <laughs> I try and say
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pam- Pamela. Yeah, from Pamela. Yes. Thanks, Pam. She, she is a very good advisor. <laughs> so that's my next question. How do you become advisor to the UN on micro businesses? How did that happen?
1: Well, that was because um, I was doing seminars for the magic show, which is a huge apparel show in Vegas. Okay. And... Um, in the audience there was one of the representatives from the un and they asked if i would be willing to go and assist women businesses in peru who started out and they were doing alpaca have you been to a peru not yet it's on Why my God. list it's my i i have to go back for pleasure because mm-hmm. the business side just meeting the people was so delightful mm-hmm. working with them and then we went to lima and then we went to are a keeper, and then we went up to Lake Titicaki, and they're producing these you know, from from garments from the llama, which is from the fur of these animals and um so we went up to Lake Titicaki, which is fourteen thousand feet high, and I was talking to this room of people, and they've got translators on, and i'm talking I'm standing there, and I'm thinking how in the hell did i get from manchester to
0: (laughs) talking Yeah, this must cross your mind several times
1: during this journey (laughs) it was it was amazing and i went back there a couple of times and still in touch with a lot of them and um from that then i was invited to go and help uh, producers of cashmere in nepal and went out there to assist them with their merchandising designing product development to so when
0: decision. you're doing this, is are you teaching a – like what I'm imagining is you're sitting in a room with these women and you're basically teaching them how the process of doing business goes, right, from them producing a product to selling it and how much to price. Like, is this what you're teaching them, like the business part of this? Yes, and also kind of what
1: America is about, dealing with the American um, – Business, how it works. It's funny how this last contract has been with Egypt. I'm not sure if you've ever done any dealings with Egypt. So I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, so (laughs) you have. Did you say you don't want to talk about it?
0: I'll let you talk.
1: (laughs) Well, we might be on the same page. (laughs) So. I was uh, The last two contracts have been with Egypt, so obviously you can't go there because of what's been going on over the last two years. Mm -hmm. So it's been Zooming, Zooming at 7 o'clock in the morning. Get up, 6 o'clock, get yourself ready, sit down. Do you think they turn up, Athena? (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) They're on Egypt time. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. So anyway, so it got to the point where my final report, I sent in a Word document, and it was – pretty harsh so Mm -hmm. I said I'm sending in a word document you can edit it any way you want however I find this to be incredibly rude you you hired me to teach them how to do business with the Americans and actually doing business with the Americans is very easy it's about doing what you say you're going to do end Mm -hmm. of story one Mm -hmm. sentence you say you're going to do it you do it if you don't going to do it you're screwed
0: don't you agree yeah and if you don't want to do it just say so (laughs) <laughs> Why are you asking to, you know, but yeah. So is That's this how it goes to your experience? It's a, you know, what I've noticed is it's a cultural thing with a lot of different countries. It's like in their culture to act a certain way, interact a certain way. And, and if you don't know that it's, it's a problem, right? Cause your expectations are a certain way because of, how you do business in your own country. And they feel the same way on the other, you know, the flip side is true too, right? They're probably wondering why you're so upset. Well, <laughs> you know, why? you know, they're probably thinking, you know, I, I've had people like, well, why are you upset that I'm two hours late? Well, because our appointments at noon, not at two. If you wanted yeah. to, we could make it at two, but no, you know, so that whole thing. So,
1: I know, yeah. I mean the whole not thing is not just Egypt. About- There's other
0: cultures that are like that and you you just have to figure it out. But if that doesn't work for you as a business person, then also and and this is something as entrepreneurs we need to realize that not everybody is a good customer. In other words, if we take mm-hmm. all you know, take all requests, if we you know, do business with whoever is willing to do business with us, we can actually make ourselves crazy. And then sabotage it because we're not happy or we're not on the same wavelength with, with that customer. So you have to choose wisely, right? And if you don't know that uh, the other side thinks a certain way, you could actually fall into a trap. So it, it's good to to recognize these things sooner than later and, and make decisions sooner than, you know, cut ties, right? Sooner well, so you don't is, drag this, it this on.
1: Is, yeah, this I mean, it's been quite a little journey, you know, trying to Help them understand. Okay, you want to do business with the Americans? You do what you say you're going to do, you, mm-hmm. you know. And then I'm I'm introducing them to sourcing people who could buy, you know, thousands of units, and um, they're not going through with it. So it's been uh, it's been you know some of these factories are pretty big, and of course they're all male dominated. And you know, first of all, I'm talking about the websites Okay, let's look at your website. It's a big factory. The next thing you see is a bunch of men in suits and ties. Okay. What's the industry? We're talking about the fashion industry. And most of the people in the industry are women, but they don't want to see a bunch of men in ties and suits. So let's get rid of that. We don't need to see a factory. We need to know what you're doing, you know? And this has been a battle just explaining this to them. You know? right. A little bit like that with Nepal, when they came over to the magic show, They'd be standing in the booth. Well, first I'd go and sort of help them with the merchandising. Mm-hmm. And then they'd be standing in the booth with a suit and tie on, like, you know, some guard. So I said, <laughs> you know, most buyers are women. So first of all, take your shirt, your tie off, leave your shirt on, take your tie off and, and your jacket. What kind of advice are you giving these people? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying striptease, but, you know. <laughs> and then, and then. Remember, you know, if you want to have a little plate of sweets or something, but if you're standing there like a guard in a suit and a tie, people are not going to talk to you. Mm. So you need to understand the body language is
0: also very important.
1: Mm. That was another thing.
0: Oh, that's funny. So tell us a little bit about the money show or not money show. that's, That's the thing I go to. What's it called? The magic show. Magic show? Yeah, the magic shows a
1: huge trade show. It's uh, twice a year, February and August It's now because of what went on. um, They did it. They're doing these sourcing online and shows online, um, which they're going to get better. Um, August, we went back in person. But unfortunately, or fortunately, the Chinese and a lot of the Indians which is huge you normally like the whole of the convention center all the hotels everything full so it's now moved into the convention center no chinese and no um no the indians couldn't come but it was great for the nearshoring so you know this whole adjustment is very good because i think i mean i was downtown in the fashion district today it was you know when you look at it so depressing we
0: need to invest in it still own- it's still empty or just it's still dirty and stuff like that? Well, the marts. That district pretty- is pretty icky, right?
1: Yeah, but the actual, like the old factories, they've not invested in infrastructure. So mm. you can't even get a truck down the alleys to load it up, you know, and they've got oh. old, old elevators going up and down and wooden floors. You know, today when I was there, this this person I've known for years, nice factory, wonderful work. And he's. And I went and said, "Where is everybody?" He said, "We had two people that came down with COVID, so they had to let everybody out for the week, and so they can't start sewing." He's got, you know, work to be done. He can't do it. Wow! So it's it's
0: it's and there's very, no alternate employees, right? There's no alternate source of can't find workers. Anybody. Yeah, have you heard They're about what's there. going
1: on? Nobody can find people to work.
0: Yeah, well, you'd have to pay them twenty dollars an hour or more, probably, and that's just not well the practical is for those seventeen, fifteen, seventeen dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: And um, I mean, I'm hearing that some of the instructors at colleges are only earning seventeen dollars now. Can you believe that?
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, yeah. so things are upside down. So yeah. it has to. We have to start investing in our own infrastructure, our own mm-hmm. manufacturing. You know. When you buy a T shirt from T J Maxx or Ross or wherever and you're paying ten dollars, think about it. Think about, you know, is it a cotton one? So you pick the cotton, you've spun and woven it, and you've dyed it, you've, you know, knitted it into something, and then you've had to cut and sew it. It's so, so much work. Mm-hmm. And no one appreciates that. They just want cheap clothing. Twenty seven percent of the landfills are filled with textiles and clothing. Really, so, this huge push for sustainability, which is a
0: big, big deal. Wow, 27 percent, yeah. Wow, so it has That's to a change. huge problem. Yeah, And, and where are the landfills to- around here for that? Oh no, they ship it to China
1: or India. Oh. China oh. said, no, we don't want any more anymore. Yeah, that.
0: China wasn't taking our stuff anymore, I heard. It was too costly for them to separate it out and do all that stuff. Um, so it's going yeah. to India, and you know where it's going then—thrown in the ocean. Oh, I mean, we well, we have- could have done that. We got the ocean here. If that's the final result, right? <laughs> yeah, we, it wouldn't be allowed Crazy. to do it. You wouldn't be allowed to do yeah, it.
1: Yeah, right. Wow. So we, you know, there's a lot of things that this. Okay, COVID is very depressing. What we're all going through is incredibly stressful. Mm. And I think once we've got through it, maybe things will be evolved to be Mm -hmm. a better environment i don't know i mean Mm -hmm. sustainability is we've got big brands like louis vuitton and other brands nike they're buying back goods to resell and sometimes the goods that they're selling back are
0: selling for more money so there's a lot of that's interesting why is that do you think why are people paying more for the used good than the new good because they're kind of
1: vintage. So this, you know, they're willing, you know, when you think about trends, we're all able to wear whatever we want. Mm. The last two years has been leggings and a sweatshirt, right? Right. (laughs) um, You know, you wear the leggings to spin in, you wear the leggings to uh, you put a big sweater on to go out for luncheon, and you go out in the evening with the leggings and a jacket or whatever. So, there's, there's this whole change you're not dictated to you know, you don't have to wear a miniskirt or hot pants or big shoulders well, of course, big shoulders are in but you're not necessarily having to wear them Are those. big shoulders in again? Well, those big fluffy shoulders you Oh <laughs> They're not padded shoulders <laughs> Puffy shoulders, but puppy big shoulders big... yeah So there's a huge swing in the, in the way we tend to think about what we're going to wear and how we're dictated to We've at last got Thoughts about what we really want to wear and what, what feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's well, interesting times.
0: That whole sustain- sustainability thing is, is intriguing because we're kind of, a, well, so I grew up in Ottawa, Canada, right? And things are much more expensive in Canada. Clothing is much more expensive. So growing up, you had like one or two really nice sweaters you had one or two really nice, something else, you know, it was, you didn't have the abundance of stuff that you have here in the States. Right. Um, and we could tell, I could see the difference going to see my grandmother in New Hampshire. There there's a store chain Marshall's. I don't know if it's still around, but, um, but they had such cheap things compared to the things, the cost of things, but the quality was different. Right. So, um, Maybe you could speak to that kind of quality issue. Is that just something that's gone now, or I mean, I don't. From what I read, the Louis Vuittons and the the high end uh, goods still did well during the pandemic, but not as well. Um, so, where where do you see that going? The the kind of the the very cheap brand stuff, and then the high end. Where do you see that moving forward after the pandemic? Where do you think we're headed? Well, it's interesting when
1: you think about, okay, Louis Vuitton is one of those who's buying back goods and reselling them. But then also H&M is doing the same thing. So you've got two. Wow, no you know, kidding. Yeah, H&M is also taking back goods. So there's a big mo- shift to be much more sustainable or they're taking products and then they're shredding them and then creating fibers and then recreating them. Like I've got jeans on that were made from re uh, re repurposing the fibers and adding in six plastic bottles so no kidding. Plastic, yeah the plastic bottles are then used uh as like polyester is plastic as well right mm-hmm. so it's right. that type of thing so there's a wow. huge shift in that so it's, it's very interesting okay, someone's asking see. a question
0: uh so this lady started an outdoor well, i don't know lady or men Outdoor uh, clothing brand for women trying to figure out how to gain more exposure on a budget. Oh, that's a great question. Starting to explore Facebook and Google ads. Well, those are expensive. I mean, I could speak to that stuff on my end, but yeah. So, so what's your advice to a, to a beginner, to a beginner designer creative, whether it's this business, we're talking about your business, but even in general, a creative who's an artist of any kind, What what's your suggestion on getting started and getting the word out from your experience? Well,
1: actually, it's a good time to start a business because it's changed so radically, like this, this company I was meeting with today, you know, selling direct, cutting out the retailer. So that means, so if you think about Okay, just think of the cost. So you're buying fabric for $3 a yard, you're using two yards, that's $6. You're producing the goods, so then the goods are then produced and you're having to you know, cut and sew. So say it's costing you $12, so you're up to $18. Then if you add on profits, then if you want to sell it for $36, then the retailer will then mark that up. So from $36, that will sell $80 in the store. So, if you're selling direct and you're missing out the retailer, um, you can get a better profit. But, of course, it's a matter of and, – and in the beginning, you're not going to be selling to the big retailers anyway. You want to grow slowly and get um, the pop-up stores that people are doing, The as you say, social media, selling direct, doing parties from homes. There's a lot of very interesting ways of growing a business. And so, selling direct is – it's the perfect way to grow sort of organically and grow slowly so you can see whether you've got traction you're learning as also as you're going along um, I, I always say don't sell to the big retailers they'll kill you with one order yeah I had a, had a manufacturer in in LA he had like 30 sewers he was selling doing very well his own line and he got an order from Macy's for 250,000 so he thought oh great right but he didn't read the manual so what happens is those manuals tell you how to ship, do everything, he didn't, and he shipped the goods. He got charged back because these big stores have a, a money-making department on charging back. So he got charged back oh. for 250,000, 170,000. So he lost his business by doing business with a big retailer. So I hear this time and time again, selling to retail, big retail stores, are not the way to go. And as when say, it's
0: difficult of- to ramp up, you'd have to borrow money to provide the goods and get paid six months later. Like that alone is a difficult mathematical problem where to get the money. And I could tell you where to get the money, but it's, but that it's a lot of stress, right. To, yeah. to try and do that. So well, there are I agree with you, the that. home parties. I mean, I've seen people sell their line, um, well, there's a girl at our gym that started that leisure wear thing, right? Uh, and she she just had a website, samples of the clothes, and through social media, people were just sharing it, and that's how she got it going. So um, it was uh, not yoga. Oh, tennis, tennis. Do you know the tennis player there at the gym that did that? I'm not sure if you know her. She was no, in did she, class. Did she sell them in the foyer? No, she's never done that. Okay, yeah. So, um, definitely the the recommendation of the the home parties, because then people get to know your stuff, they can wear it, people see them in it. Um, But that's another great idea. We have a lot of small clothing um, makers, resellers that uh, are in our gym lobby, and they do really well. So, that's another great idea that doesn't cost them anything, that you just have to find a Uh, a place that will let you do that. Um, And then the pop ups, you're so right. I, I didn't, you know, we were driving down Pacific Coast Highway, and there's this two or three buildings that are not abandoned, but they're empty. They used to be a woodworking place and a frame shop. Anyway, the, the two or three buildings that are empty. And we noticed that every other week now there's a pop up, mostly clothing business there, you know, and I think that's, that's a great idea. Because oh, the yeah. prices can remain low, you get exposure, it's a big street, so maybe even farmers market or street fairs are a good way to, you know, when they come back fully, um, good way to get going. So, what's and also
1: cross marketing? <laughs> cross marketing with people like this lady I was telling you about today, this prickly pear. A doctor found her who's dealing with women with incontinence, you know, with this sort of leaky problem. Mm -hmm. And so the doctors now uh, is now promoting her products. So if you can cross market with people, so say you have somebody who uh, you've got a product, and maybe they've got a product that 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 complements yours, is there a way that you can work together and cross market with one another? Because cross marketing is, is key to you know growing your own business like growing it from
0: organically organically mm-hmm. yes exactly mm-hmm. right so uh jade says h&m just recently started in- instituting a true sop for their reclaimed goods as for years employees were just throwing them away wow uh so what's an sop <laughs> i don't know what that acronym means uh, i'm not quite sure
1: either i'm not sure um, okay okay um maybe Jay, can you explain what SOP is?
0: <laughs> oh, standard, oh, standard procedure. procedure. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You're, you're educating us, Jay. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> standard yeah. operating procedure. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, need, you guys must be in government or something. <laughs> I know Pamela has has good uh, acquaintances. Acquaintance. Yeah, she's acquainted with the government talk. So, thank you. That's helpful. Oh, my MBA. gosh, that's funny. Um, is, so is Pamela is, in our gym as well? No, that's a different Pamela. So, okay. MBA. Oh, it's the MBA. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. So, so no, Pamela is the founder, uh, founder uh, of, and CEO of uh, Urban Land Matters. She's a land matters consultant. So, she's, she's mostly a real estate gal, too. But she's fascinated with business, as you can see. And so, yeah. And with sustainability as well. Definitely. She's with the League of Women Voters, so definitely with the sustainability issues. It's it's a huge issue. I mean, everything where I'm saying is, like, when you're
1: buying stuff and it's got those stupid plastic hang tags on it, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to start a business, let's start, okay, just doing things sustainably. You can have, you know – uh, the hang tags could be biodegradable. You don't need to have those plastic. And you know, my son lives in Maui and they're saving turtles with plastic things in their throats. And as you know, you see this with fish. I've and seen everything. that, it's so sad. We have to stop it. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. So just thinking about plastic bags, plastic this, everything's plastic. Can we just go to using things that is either recycled or it's it's biodegradable just thinking about what we're doing to our mm-hmm. own environment is mm-hmm. just – it, it has to be thought.
0: Well, and the throwing out of clothing is just mind-boggling. I uh, I think it was in uh, Bloomberg Business Week. I get this magazine every week, and one of the articles was about a guy who takes um, clothing that's not even good for resale at – raw. it's like there's something wrong with it but super wrong with it, or it's um, – yeah, away clothes for, for many reasons, people are throwing away these clothes. He takes them, cuts them all up and resells them to like car washes and places like this that to use them as rags for different, different businesses that use rags. And I thought, well, thank God. I mean, it's probably kicking the can down the road, but at least we're using it as much. We're using the life out of it, right? We're trying to use every little bit that we can. And, um, yeah, just getting the boxes, like we're coming into the holiday season, seeing all those boxes just bothers me to no end. But I know, the anyway. way – I mean, we got, you know, the Amazon bags with all the plastic and – Oh, gosh. And then
1: you think of all the big brands like Nike, so anybody with a brand name on it, if they've got infantry over, they don't donate it to Africa. Mm-hmm. They'd rather destroy it because they think that that's – They don't want their brand. brand. You're yes. Right. Yeah, so no. you know there, there's so much that we have to think about that we are, uh, as consumers. You know, I'm, I mean, Athena. I don't know about you, but you know, at the end of the week, I think, oh, just gonna go out and walk around and buy a top that I don't need. You know, it's just, yep, <laughs> 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 it's uh, just this mindless way of doing. It. We have to think about things. So, mm. or handbag designer. I like that
0: oh handbag design i love
1: so it. awesome jade i like that remnant fab oh that's, that's really like cool. to see what you're doing jade if i can help you um yeah. i'm working with another guy who's got he's doing um recycled beautiful bags i met him at magic and he's doing recycled material to make these bags and they're like gym bags or you can have you know things to, like carry-on bags, but they're absolutely well-made and it's mm-hmm. all made from recycled fa- fabrics. So Jade, where are you Where are you located?
0: Do you know Jade as well? No, I do not. Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Yeah, see, I've got ladies that are joining this group from all across the country, which is cool, but that means they're not down the street, which is sad. <laughs> yeah.
1: well, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, So do
0: you- one of my questions was as a beginner producer as a beginner uh businesswoman is there a way to share production like i'm just wondering like downtown they've got all these factories guys guys and gals who had figured out how to produce things are you allowed to borrow their team are you oh, like yeah. to do that happens okay great yeah, yeah. i was thinking no. that you got to be able to do that because you don't have you're just starting off and you've got one or two samples you've got to be able to to borrow someone's facility, right? Their production capacity. And this is a very important part is if you've got an idea
1: and you're not trained in the industry, I've met so many people when I had my educational nonprofit fashion business incorporated, you know, part of the membership, they got a free one hour consultation. They'd come in with an idea, all excited. We had one banking lady came in and she wanted to make these more, business suits for women but much more feminine and she invested, went out, found somebody. There are so many people out there who's going to screw you over a thing. I I've seen it time and time. It's sad. Yeah. She spent forty eight thousand developing these samples. And she brings them in. And I was like I said, just one moment, I had to walk out of the room and I have another person working with me who's very knowledgeable. And I said Please, Andrew, come in with me because this is—we have to break the news carefully. She she had to remake the whole thing. It was a total waste. Oh no! Of Forty-eight thousand dollars because they weren't sewn together, right? Or they no. were? She'd not got. She hadn't got the right person to do the pattern making. You see, if you're not, oh. you can't do the pattern making yourself and doing the construction. Obviously, as you say, you have to find a facility to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And um I mean the guy I was working with today he does uh production for many many different companies so he's got the sewers working on many different lines but there are so many con artists out there that you have to be very very careful and if there's anybody watching this and you're what looking for people please contact me because I I've seen so many people burnt by this it's just astounding so be very careful know what you want like today when i was doing this video it was about how to recognize a well-made garment it's not about how to make a pattern it's about how to make a good jacket how to make a good pant and this this lady doing workout goods what what goes into it people don't realize it's a very very complicated process Mm -hmm. but you know it's also part of your own education
0: So what would you recommend someone do if they've got a great idea? Maybe they even sewed together or some people might sketch it, I suppose, right? You see sketches a lot. What From that point, what happens next? What are the steps?
1: Well, you're in California, so it's, you have to be very careful. First of all, find somebody who can do your product development, who understands your vision. Um, check them out. Make sure that they're... Um, also, in California, as I say, there are very strict rules about sewing. Uh, you have to have a, a contractor who's got a license. You are a license the, to sew. A, a license to sew your goods, because they found in the early eighties a group of machinists in Almonte tied to, chained to sewing machines in diapers. So they said, "Okay, we cannot have this happen in California." This may happen in China, but no, it mm-hmm. doesn't actually. But, you know, we cannot have this. So they had this big law to change this. So now if you want to start your own business, you cannot sew from your home. You cannot sew. Uh, you have to have somebody who's got the license. You need to get your own manufacturer's license. You have to take a test. and It will cost you about uh, 1200 a year to get this, and it goes up depending on how big you are. Mm-hmm. And the contractor is is has to have a license too and that's 250,000, uh, sorry, 250, not 200, 250 dollars, not 250,000. And they have to get that license. And then the, uh, the person who's having it made is the manufacturer. So you say, well, how can I be the manufacturer? I'm not sewing it. You're giving the instructions. You're paying for the fabrics. So there are, you know, you have to know what you're doing take your time if you've got a good idea and of course you know if you want buy my book fashion for profit yes (laughs) and it will show you how to do it so it's the inside is not it just takes you through the steps the legal part the business part the creative part finding the right people who can help you sales part like this jade was talking about how do you find the sales there's four big buildings downtown the California Market Center, the New the Cooper Building. There are these buildings that have full of showrooms. Well, the showrooms will take your goods, of course, but you've got to pay showroom to participation. The showroom mm. participation fee could be uh, $700 a month, and you're paying them a percentage, 12. 12% on sales. In New York, it's going to be even more. So if you have a rep in New York, so you really need to have and I'm sure, Athena, you you would be able to help them, Mm. doing a business plan. Mm -hmm. Get a business plan together. I recommend SBA. They have good people who can really help you. And Mm. some of my consultants work with the SBA to get your business plan put together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying the SBA understands the industry, but at least it gets you, as you know it, you're a business plan. Kind of the structure. You have to have structure for anybody to believe you, Right. Right. I mean, you you've had businesses, and we I've taught them how to do an investment deck, pitch mm. your students like the lion you know the, the lion's den or the shark mm-hmm. tank. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Athena, you, you do you teach business planning as well,
0: and how to put the that business in. planning making the plan, but not business plan. Like I don't coach people, I coach people on real estate plans, but not uh, you know business plans. So, but yeah, you, you realize that I can help people put it together.
1: Yeah. How important it is to get that put together. And basically mm-hmm. even if you find someone to put it together, they can't put it together without your input. Right. You know,
0: they have to know the well, it has to be. It has to feel like you look like your product. I mean, so if you hire someone just like when you make a new website, right? Every time I work on a website, I go, man, I've got to be way too involved in this. Well, of course, because they're not just going to invent me. They're going to, they want direction, right? So that's kind of what your, either your investment deck or your, even just your short term, your short executive proposal has to be, you has to reflect you and your product, right? So you can't just buy it off the, you know, Google, you know, business plan and just, you know, (laughs) Do yeah. you do websites? Do you do websites? No, I have someone who does those. Are but in, when you're, in, you in, know, in, in, I hire in, someone to develop the website, but they still need tons of direction on the feel, the look, the content, the you know, so people have that mistake too, is they, they have the notion that, you know, you just have to hire a web designer and poof, you have a website. No, they need direction. They need, yeah, they need all kinds of directions. So.
1: Yeah. And yeah. are you producing the, the websites
0: here or in international? Uh, no, but actually my guy uh, who does my websites, he lived in Paris and Thailand. And then, yeah, I think that was well, two years in Paris. And anyway, he moved around. He was in the Far East for a while, for eight years. Right. I didn't really know where he lived because he moved around every two years. Um, but now he's in Colorado and I didn't even know. Right. I'm like, Oh, you're in the U (laughs) S you know? And the way I found out is because he didn't, the, the, the difference in time, you know, he didn't need me to meet at 7am or 7pm, you know, he could meet at noon. All of a sudden I was like, what? (laughs) That was my clue that he was no longer in Thailand. So um, let me see. So, So I guess where. I mean, my question is who are the game changers and, and creatively, cre- creatively, but also in your industry, and in your business, how do you see things going forward? And if that, so, and you kind of touched on this already, but as a new designer or kind of medium designer, what, what would you suggest people do? Where are things headed? I guess, is my question. And, and you kind of touched on it with sustainability. Um, but where do you see the fashion industry going forward and who do you think the game changers will be probably jade <laughs> hopefully yeah. yeah yeah i think
1: there are as you you know i think that there is the big designers that everybody's scrambling you know within all industries but the clothing industry particularly is it, it's really it's as i said earlier i think it's a good time to start a business but you have to have a niche If you're doing a sustainable product, that's great, but also have a niche, understand who your client base is. Why would they want to buy from you? You know, don't just design something and think your family and friends love it, but it's not the point. It has to be wanted. It needs to show that you have done your market research and there is is a need for this product. And like the lady I was talking to you today. So, you know, it doesn't mean to say you're gonna be a millionaire, but maybe you'll make a good, you know, it could say you start in the USA. You can then grow as you from Canada, go to Europe and grow sort of grassroots. And the funny thing is we're in a good place in California because California actually starts trends. It doesn't start on the runways of Paris. It doesn't start on the runways of New York. It starts on the streets in California. Mm. California has a huge, huge influence on the on what's happening on in the industry as a whole from this whole casualness. I mean, we know I know when I was working in designing, we would also have to consider, okay, what about Texas and Florida? And so we'd think, okay, we gotta the buyers would say, Where's the pink and the bling? So we've got to add some pink and bling. Or you're designing for Seattle. The demographics in America is enormous. So it's not just one country you're designing for. You're Mm -hmm. working, you're designing for many, many different demographics. And it's very important that you understand what those demographics are in order for you to be successful.
0: That makes sense, because when we were in Italy, it seemed like the fashion was intensely a certain way in the big cities, but the same, you know, Venice versus Rome. Like, but then in the countryside, they dress, how were they It was different. You know, yeah. Um, but it's true; it was not homogenous, but almost big city was big city in Italy, right? Yeah. Versus yeah. here, our big cities vary quite a bit.
1: Different yeah, cultures
0: do. as you yeah. go across the country. There's micro cultures, right? There are different exactly. ways of dressing, talking. You know, yeah. yeah. There is exactly. Yeah. So, how does your? Um, I'm fascinated by by the fashion for profit. Um, It seems like even though it's Fashion for Profit, there's a lot of educational videos on your website. So did you merge your because your nonprofit started in 1999, right? So that was the FBI Fashion Fashion Business Inc., I guess. Was that the name? Yeah, Yeah. I thought that was so cute. And then Fashion for Profit seems to have folded that educational idea into it. And it's mostly coaching now. Or what can you explain to me a little bit what your business is and, and who you help besides designing? Well, while I was teaching at Otis, um, what
1: came up was um, the fact that there was no business being taught at that time. Mm. And so I said, you know, we need to have a good costing class. And there was a bit of, you know, a bit of pullback on that. But anyway, eventually I started a class on entrepreneurship. Mm. I mean, I'd learned the hard way. Right. my own business. So, um, I started an entrepreneur class for Otis further education class. I still think they're doing it. And that then led me on to start my own, write my book, fashion for profit, which, um, as a dyslexic, never thought I could do. Thank God for spellcheck. So mm-hmm. I wrote the book fashion for profit, um, based on my own experience and based on everybody else's experiences to, um, how it's important not only to have be creative, but also to understand. Business is probably about eighty percent of it, as you know. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that business knowledge and understand the money and how that works and how it comes in, your gross and net and all those things. So when I was there, just that concept alone, people have trouble with, right? So exactly. Yeah. So that then led me on to, I met somebody who said she wanted to start an incubator. So I left, I took that leap of faith, started my own nonprofit in 1999. And that was an amazing journey too. It's opened up many, you know, it was, you know, didn't earn any money in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. one of my first clients who came in turned out to be one of the, um, what's the name of the big, big families in California with a lot of money. the Weingart uh, oh. family. So he, I didn't know who he was. And he was had a clothing line. I was helping him. And at the end of it, he said, how do you fund this business? I said, I said well, we just started. So he said, mm-hmm. okay. And I ended up getting a $45,000 grant from him. And then I did a fashion show at the uh, sports club in in uh, L.A. And had a lot of city people there. And had the models city walking people. down the runway and Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) sitting there, the models were in with, I rented these fox fur coats and underneath them was Brazilian bikinis, right? So the girls, (laughs) one Russian model who'd been drinking a few vodkas backstage, took the coat off at the end of the runway. One of her boobs was hanging out. <laughs> anyway, I ended up getting 250000 from the city to grow the company. <laughs> so oh, We gosh, ended up that's doing funny. amazing fashion shows at uh, Union Station, if you've ever been there, and it's mm. just amazing. That's where they did the uh, Oscars this year. That's where we did oh, Oscars no
0: kidding. for five years. Yeah, it was great. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, so you were doing fashion shows to raise money for? Um, for my nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Recently, now
1: doing them to for rescue dogs. Okay. Korean and Chinese meat market.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Another <me>. topic. <laughs> Whole other topic. That's icky. Well, that's so interesting. So, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, uh, have a chat privately about their business, how would they do? Uh, what's the best way to contact you? By email, it would be Francis
1: with an E. F-R-A-N-C-E-S, at fashionforprofit.com.
0: Okay, Do you want me to check type in that in? Sure. Make sure that we uh, don't have any other questions here. Yes. I can go ahead and type it in. Oops. Your computer doesn't know when you misspell, so it doesn't correct it for you. <laughs> Francis, yes, That's Well Excellent. Well, um, we've come to the end of our time already. So, thank you for joining me. This has been so enlightening and definitely a kind of a fun flow to it. So, yeah, thanks <laughs> so, so but much. I, I, mean, I, I love the sustainability. Actually, you guys, for those of you that saw my post on Meetup, I love the video uh, where you're talking to a lady, I think her name was Christina. Um, and she was talking about the different materials that you can use in clothing, alternative and green material, you know, and that just was fascinating to me. Just the whole materials area is, is, is fascinating to me. So that's, that, that's a very cool, uh, interview, I think. She, yeah, she's great. She's, uh, she,
1: you know, they make fabrics from wine, you know, and fabrics from mushrooms and fabrics from uh, pineapple. I mean, there's so many amazing things that are going on. You know, don't buy leather now, there's pleather, which is just as good. So, mm-hmm. this whole kind of not only sustainability goes into this whole um, protection for animals as well. Mm-hmm. So, it, it,
0: I would love works. to see more of those things come out, be used, you know. Uh, People think of alternative materials like hemp, but there's a whole world of uh, other materials or, yeah, Yeah. products, not products. Yeah, just things in nature that you can use to, to... to make products with, so yeah, amazing, is fascinating, isn't it? It is fascinating. Well, thank you, and this has been that fascinating. So I don't see any other questions. So thank you very much for joining me, Francis, and yeah, thank um, you for the opportunity. For, thank you for you guys for joining us. And uh, our next, um, our next investors' corner is going to be about syndication. We're going to talk about how do you pool your money legally and uh, by apartment buildings or mobile home parks or parking lots or apartment buildings or whatever it is you want to buy first, if you can pool your money together, that's the best way to do it. But you want to do it legally and safely. So we are going to have one of my good friends. um, You're going to laugh, but his name truly is Sterling Lund. He's going to come talk about how to syndicate uh, the right way. So hopefully you can join us. That will be on Saturday, December, no, not December, November 6th. Um, getting ahead of myself. So hopefully you can join us for that. And be sure to like this video. If you do like this video and you're seeing it on YouTube, like it and subscribe so you get notification of any videos to come in the future. Thanks a lot. And thanks, Francis for taking time tonight. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Thank you everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for the opportunity, Athena. Yes. See See I- you at
1: Spinning. Yes, yeah, see you in Spin. <laughs>